Hey guys, Spacey here. Welcome to Cora's podcast, Filmmaking, actually. Before we jump into this episode, part one of the second Names on the Wall panel at the Nova Film Fest, I want to give a quick heads up regarding the sound quality. We were all recorded remotely, and that comes with some technical hurdles. So we appreciate your understanding on that front. So enjoy. Hi, my name is Cora, and welcome back to my podcast, Filmmaking, actually. If you caught our last two episodes, then you know that Space Dream Productions' first film was a short film called Names on the Wall, which actually just wrapped its festival run at the NovaFest and Capital Film Market in April. While our film was the opening night film, we also screened as part of a film block midweek, and we were really happy to have the opportunity to follow up with the awesome audience questions that have been asked at the first panel that we weren't able to get to due to time. While this full panel was recorded and is available on YouTube on the Fame LLC YouTube channel, and on our website under the Names on the Wall tab below Films, we wanted to also share the content as podcast episodes, because, you know, sometimes it's easier to stream a podcast than sit there and watch a whole YouTube video. For this second panel, I was joined by some of my amazing teammates, second unit director and stunt choreographer Melissa Tracy, and my incredible husband, editor and music maker extraordinaire, Spaceship. This panel was moderated by the festival director himself, Mr. Fernando Mico. We got to discuss some of the other films in our screening block and take up the audience questions which were missed from our first panel. As we do discuss the details of Names on the Wall, we suggest watching it first if you've not already seen it. It is available on Amazon Prime Video. If you can't access it on Amazon Prime for some reason, please message us and we will send you a private screening link so you can watch before hearing all of these spoilers. (laughs) All right, ready? Here is part one of our panel. Welcome, everybody, to the Nova Festival. We had a couple of great documentaries and one short narrative to crack it open from Miss uh, Cora Linda. Cora, do you, do, like, what's your what's your stage name out there? What is it? Cora Linda, Cora Shipton, uh, Schleppy? What is what is? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't. I just made that up. Maybe I watched the Three Stooges recently. Um, okay, I watch it every day. But your film, Names on the Wall, is a short narrative depicting a moment in uh, the Vietnam War. And subsequently f- uh, following your film was a documentary of an actual helicopter pilot who was an active, uh, who was active military during the Vietnam War. So um, I thought... Uh, I was the one who programmed uh, uh, the schedule, so I thought that was just a great contrast to have a, a you know fiction narrative next to documentary. Um, and then there was a great documentary that followed before I'm gone. So, um, Cora, would you um, very quickly? Uh, oh, I'm Fernando Amico, uh, the founder of the Nova Festival, Nova Film Fest. And if you ladies could introduce yourselves uh, one by one and tell us who you are and why are you here. I'm Cora Linda. I'm the director and one of the executive producers and a bunch of other hats of uh, Names on the Wall. And I am a woman with dark brown hair and I'm currently wearing a Jewish star necklace and a blue flowered dress against a white background. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, should I go? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was me. Okay. Hi, my name is Melissa Tracy. I am a filmmaker. And on this project, I was blessed enough to be the uh, second unit director and stunt coordinator um, of Names on the Wall. I'm very honored to be here. I have long brown hair and I'm wearing a suit. 
Fantastic. So I'm going to have to get past that one. That's new on me describing uh, the actual visuals. I, you, you explained to me, Cora, in the uh, one of the prior panels what that means. Uh, we won't have to go over it again. But, um, yeah, so that's just kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm trying. This is the virtual world, but I'm, I'm like imagining if this was at the bar, lounge, pub uh, <laughs> after a screening. Hi, I'm John Jane Smith. I'm wearing a white blouse with chiffon, <laughs> whatever, dark hair. So, uh, since we have both of you representing names on the wall, let's just dive into your film. Obviously, uh, right now, right away. I mentioned to you, we, we had uh, messaged each other, Cora, while the documentary that, that followed your film was playing. So I had just one, I had a question that came to mind. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it kind of open-ended. And please, Melissa, uh, chime in as well. I'd love to hear your take. As far as, were you able to watch the documentary that followed by chance? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, maybe I can't speak to it exactly. But then, um, Cora, after... Watching the documentary of an actual uh, Vietnam soldier talking about everything from pulling up uh, a soldier from the ground with an empty, they realized when he came up, the back of his skull had been blown out and looked like a coconut shell. Um, some real graphic and real world um, uh, depictions. If you'd watched this documentary or similar ones first, would that have changed anything um, in your direction of? Uh, names on the wall. I actually did. I mean, obviously not this documentary, but um, Nick and I did a bunch of research before mm -hmm. we made this. And mm -hmm. there's a couple of kind of sides to names on the wall. One is as a film, we wanted, or at least I wanted a story that could get dropped in anywhere. You know, it could get dropped in on the streets of Chicago in 1976. It could get dropped in in South Central L.A. two days ago. It could get dropped in during the Civil War. It could get dropped in at any point of American history or world history and be relevant. Um, the Vietnam War was how Nick had originally written it. And because, um, like, our sort of, like, tagline or whatever is... Um, it was a war of governments, but this is a story of the soldiers. Um, for us, we went um, back and forth on a lot of different elements. How graphic do we want to be? How, um, how much do we want to share? How much do we want to create a specific soldier as opposed to a generalized like the fact that the soldiers aren't even named in the script, you know, and they aren't called like unnamed soldier. They're just called soldier one, soldier two, because that's kind of the point. And obviously Viet Cong, uh, I looked up a lot of images. I looked up a lot of history. It was funny when he told that story, I'm wondering if there's some other either version of that documentary or some other place that that story is, because it sounded really familiar to me when I was watching it. Yes, me too. When I first saw it, yeah, yeah good I was like, I feel like even as it was coming up, I was like, the, I was like, something's gonna happen. I was like, oh, he's dead. Like it was weird. I like it felt like I'd already heard that um, take before, so I was wondering if maybe there was like a trailer for it or something that I'd seen. Um, but I guess the short-ish answer is even just in the amount of gore that we chose to show, like the Vietnam War was violent and dirty as a war, like it was, wars are already horrible, but it went to new levels with the things that happened on the actual battlefield. And we gave the soldiers their stories. There's actually several 
pages of who they are, where they came from, what they were like growing up, where they were going, you know, um, for each one of the soldiers. And um, obviously, you know, the, the second soldier, his whole backstory was that he was one of the guys who joined it because it, you know, he wasn't drafted. He signed up because he wanted to go murder people and get celebrated for it. And he got off on doing it. And it was what, you know, was twisted in him. And um, so we wanted to put, we wanted to put some of that in there without getting too far into it because we also didn't want to run up against political issues like oh but we needed to be there or someone was like oh but we shouldn't have been there and what we did was wrong like it we didn't want to get too nitty-gritty detailed beyond the bits that we put in to tell the story because we wanted to keep it as level a field and as open a story that hopefully any human whether they're familiar with Vietnam or not can relate to and then for the people who were there for the people whose friends were there for the people who know what it was like um, hopefully it will uh, speak to them and be real enough for them too. Um, hopefully that answers the question. No, you, I think you hit the point. Um, you know, all, all war is hell. Um, and just now, as, you, uh, as you're speaking, it reminds me of one of those, the moments in one of Clint Eastwood's films. I think it was the Japanese version of Flags of Our Fathers. I can't recall the title, but where it was kind of same team fire on somebody on the on the enemy that you didn't necessarily befriend, but there was a, a measure of respect, and I think you guys did a great job of capturing um, just how gray the um, uh, the Vietnam conflict was while keeping a universal theme. So um, you know, kudos to you for that. Um, we are going to open up. Um, uh, Corey, you sent me a bunch of questions that uh, uh, some people had sent in, which I will ask you, but I'm going to leave one more. Um, I'm not, I haven't thought of ahead of here if this is so much a comment as a, um, uh, uh, a question, so much as a comment slash compliment, and it involves you, Melissa, in so much as uh, in a prior conversation, Cora panel, um, or maybe it was a conversation, I had mentioned that I saw, you said I was the first one who was who said at least that, they saw where I saw where this your film was going to go. I knew where names on the wall. I knew how it was going to end. Essentially, there's essentially two. In general, the the ending is they're going to become friends. Um, it's not. It's more of an organic thing. It's not like I sit down with my tablet in a movie. I'm going to predict what's going to happen. It just sort of happens naturally, um, even as a kid. But where where in so much and it's basic um, for the screenwriters, the new ones. It's basic screenwriting. Um, you always start at the end. When you have the end, this is what's going to happen to your character or your environment. And once you have your solid ending, then you write your beginning because it is the exact opposite. So then you have the arc. Uh, you have the beginnings of the arc of the story. So as I'm watching the first few minutes or so, okay, they're mortal enemies. Okay, they're going to be buddies. That's that's how that's the way this is going to end. So if they're going to be buddies, uh, and you know the mind starts racing, if they're going to be buddies, there's, there's going to have to be some, what's the conflict in being buddies? Well, it's either they're going to have to decide whether to kill each other and not kill each other and walk away, or there's going to be some uh, jerk on either side coming out, and they're probably going to kill the other one, and the, the, the one soldier is going to have to kill their own guy. That was my you know, internal prediction, and th there it was. So my point of that little period uh, is that, much, for me, much like um, watching I Love Lucy, I know that's an abstract stretch, 
But if you think of like the uh, chocolate assembly line scene, everybody kind of knows what's going to happen. Okay. In this case, I kind of saw what was going to happen. The beauty is going to be in seeing how they carry it out. So that's where the compliments coming in because it wasn't so much, okay, what's going to happen? How are they going to tell the story? And that's absolutely in the director's hand. And um, you, both of you you, 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 you smash it out of the park. So um, again, I guess that's, I, I wasn't planning to add too much on that. So I guess it's more of a comp, uh, compliment slash comment. Um, and, since it, and since you're welcome. Um, uh, and since uh, that, again, that was more of a, just a straight shot um, commentary on my part. I will open it up. I'm looking over the list of questions that were sent over. And if it's all right, I'll just start um, peppering you uh, uh, with them. If, if uh, both of you go are cool ready. with that. Yes. All right. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Through so many classic war stories, what inspired the team to tell this particular story at this time? Um, I guess I'll answer it first, and then I guess Melissa can answer what drew her to it to want to be a part of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, it is, um, it's funny because we actually, I originally picked up the script in 2013. Um, that's when I was like, okay, this is the movie I'm going to make. And it went through several years of even just between getting off the ground, getting made and getting done. It, it was, there was a several year process in that for various reasons. And um, at the time, I wanted to tell a story that could potentially shake humanity. And I wanted it to be timeless. And I wanted it to be something that no matter when you watch it, if you go back to it, you can be like, that's a Space Dream Productions film. Like we were starting the company, we were building our brand, figuring out what type of things do we want to do. And we wanted a film that would stand as a testament to what we could do when given full control of a project and the allowance to create it, develop it, bring in the cast and crew, finish it, like when it was done entirely by our team, what can we do? So um, I think the fact that it still plays so relevant now um, means that we picked a good script. <laughs> um, and I don't think it was a matter of like, why this film and why now? It was a matter of this is a story that hopefully people can relate to no matter when they watch it. And um, I hope that it continues. I mean, on the one hand, I hope it doesn't continue to be relevant because I'd like people not to be dealing with like racism and hatred, but if they, I'd like it to be a relevant story that people can understand no matter when they watch it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa? All right. So, um, like Cora said, um, you know, when you're um, second year directing and directing, um, a lot of the stuff you do because you need to eat, uh, you need to keep a roof over your head, you need to survive. Okay. But when Cora mm -hmm. presented me this project, Cora and I had worked on another film together, and uh, I try to be very picky on the projects I choose anyway. As a when I'm second year directing, um, and um, Second year directing is so corny. I try to be really picky on the projects. Um, you know, they can't be bashing women and women can't look like idiots and all this other stuff. But this film just stood out. Um, it was amazing, um, it, you know, being part of this project, being socially relevant. Um, and just, you know, it's like I've always felt 
that way when it came to war that is always the government and that you know the people and i you know my mom grew up in world war ii and she was telling me how the you know the, a lot of the people would you know between the two sides even though they're at war they're still hanging out at the fence between the two countries um passing cigarettes through the gates and stuff like that so you know it was like the people were friendly it was the governments that were at war so when i saw and i read this script i you know it really hit me and I knew I needed to be, you know, a part of this. Um, and what Cora said before that um, we had total control where it was like, it was going to be Cora and the team and myself and, and, you know, and we had control. So we knew it was going to be good. We weren't going to have, you know, a studio come in and mess it up. We weren't going to have somebody destroy this lovely quilt that we made basically and cut it up and then only put three pieces on it. We, you know, um, when Cora said, yeah, you can second unit direct this, you can work with the DP, put, you know, camera where it needs to go, do the shots. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome because it's going to actually look really good. And Cora listened and, and it was just amazing and everybody was safe and everybody was wonderful and it looked amazing and the DP was amazing and Cora was amazing to work with and she explained her vision and I carried out her vision of telling the story that we needed to go and she was like, she was the most awesome filmmaker to work with when it came as a second unit director. It's like the perfect partner you want to have when you're second unit directing. Um, so that's why when I had the chance to do a meaningful film um, that you know, meant something, I just had to jump at the chance. And that's why, you know, that's why I did this, even though it was, you know, it's a short film. Um, but it's an amazing, you know, like I said, you know, the other day, it's, it should really be up for Academy Award because it's that heartfelt and that meaning, you know, it's just, I don't know, it was executed well. And it was just, I totally well planned out from beginning to end. It was, it was fun to work on. Everything went well. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it was just a really good experience. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> I loved working with you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to work on it now. Um, is next? Uh, uh, well, yeah, okay. That actually leads it into the next question slightly. Is this team going to make another film? So um, I will answer that. I. Um, I've had the honor of working with almost every member of the cast and crew again, um, several times, whether it was just auditioning for other projects or whether um, it was actually doing other projects. Um, I, we try to like build our network, obviously like any filmmaker does, but of people who not only are very talented, but are also good people and trustworthy. Like, you know, you can be an amazing talent but then you can get on set and you can refuse to do something because you just don't want to <laughs> anymore. You change your mind. You don't want to do that. Or you can, you know, be brought into a project and then tell the director, well, I'll tell you if I think it's good enough. <laughs> and, you know, like it, it can, it can become like these sort of awkward situations and no matter how talented somebody is, you, you have to be able to be with them for 15 hours or 12 hours or even 10 hours and have all your meals, be on location, be traveling, be at very close quarters, even before COVID. And to be together for that long, that close, you don't have the room or space for toxicity or for egos or whatever. <clears throat> so um, 
I will say that out of this specific project, um, I worked with Brendan on uh, another film. Um, I've worked with Mary on several other projects. She is actually uh, the lead for our upcoming feature, Comic Relief, which has a little bit of a fairly major stunt sequence that Melissa will be overseeing. And um, I've coordinated with Melissa on stuff where maybe, you know, there's like a little music video and it's super small and I can't afford to bring her in, but she'll get a phone call and be like, hey, can I, if I do this, 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 is that doing it safe? Um, and, um, and she's very nice. She doesn't send me a but because um, we've done little, you know, little, little stunts in things um, since just with what we've learned from her about telling, I'm just going to totally talk about Melissa for a second. <laughs> She's not brilliant as a stunt coordinator, but she understands that the fight has to tell a story. It's not just about making a punch look good or making a punch look real. There has to be a reason for the punch and it has to read in a way that the audience understands why that punch is happening, the way it's happening, when it's happening. And, you know, the moments of the actors being in pain and where they're looking and what they're doing and what they're going for. I was able to give her that part of the story and say, okay, look, they need to be ready to kill each other with their bare hands. That is where they are starting. They need to be ready to commit death using their bare hands to take the life from another human being. And I need to see that. And she, you know, went over all the different sequences with me and, you know, she was also adamant about mats and padding and safety and our actors trained for four <laughs> weeks. Um, and, you know, we set aside part of our budget to cover paying for the classes and paying for the mats and paying for that because at the end of the day, we were able to go out to like this jungle environment and have these two people pretend to try and kill each other and nobody so much has got a scratch. I don't even think the guys got like a paper yeah. cut. Like they didn't get anything. Yeah. So um, that just speaks to Melissa as a stunt coordinator and, um, and, you know, as a second unit director, as someone who can take the director's vision and go, okay, good. This is the part of the story that I'm going to help to tell. I understand what you need and then I'm going to do it. And it was, so nice. Um, even our onset, our sound mixer, Kyle Jacobson. I've worked with him. So every time we can afford him, I have to come back out. Um, so uh, yeah, we've got uh, catching the light, which Kyle Jacobson um, was the sound mixer on, uh, is in post production, and we've got comic relief, which is coming up soon. We're just restructuring for some COVID safety, um, and we've got uh, an a film that we're being brought in on to write that I can't officially announce yet, but um, once we can, uh, that is going to be utilizing people from Names on the Wall as well. So we're excited. Fantastic. Yeah, Melissa, I'd love to talk to you offline at some point, just about, it's a oh, special awesome. love of mine. I have a martial arts background. My feature film had some action. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Exciting. <laughs> um, and a lot, I mean, I'll nerd out too. Where there, there's a there's a mix in the movie magic and uh, stunt awesome. fight choreography that's got to be symbiotic, because um, it could be it could be fantastic fight choreography, but if the storyline doesn't add any breath or spirit to it, I won't say it doesn't mean anything. Um, like I said, I'll nerd out. Where in Star Wars, uh, like that was just an excellent scene between Darth Maul yeah. and Ben Kenobi. That was just, that was, you know, obviously yes. Park yes, he is, is a great martial artist and that yes, was choreographed incredibly well. Um, but then I had more impact 
watching, you know, back in 1983 or whatever, watching Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, 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 that would take Darth him out. Vader. That would really take him out if he just farted. <laughs> that, would that would take him out. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a scene where it's like, I won't fight you. I won't fight you. It's like, all right, if you won't fight me, maybe I'll get your sister. <laughs> no, my sister. And then they go at it. Then you feel the this, this six years of uh, the storytelling and the backstory uh, all come into place. And while the choreography was pretty damn good, um, I'd say the Darth Maul um yeah. kenobi fight that yeah. was that was uh pristine as far as martial arts weapons go but i i was totally more invested in the uh emotionally into like oh that's the father son i remember him when i was you know like four years yes. you know so it brought so much more into play so um yeah so you guys definitely pulled it off on the choreography i'm gonna try to okay. knock these out um unless most of you no, have, you know what you um look it's like i always like to mentioned. tell the story with the director and find out what they need and and the the other thing too is um core was all about it you know i went out and researched and talked to vietnam vets that were working you know during the time and that were fighting and how did they fight and all Ooh, that kind of stuff cool. and like course i always want to make sure the fight you know like they're not going to be doing wushu you know I, I just i don't know i'm really traditional about that i don't want wushu in a vietnam war fight sorry that's just i'm not going to do that i'm sorry but that's unless it's like fantasy you know so we went out and actually researched um you know and talked to vietnam vets about how they were fighting and talked to people that were actually fighting in korea i mean sorry it's fighting in vietnam sorry um and i uh, found that they were doing more of the um you know more muay thai type fighting with knees and elbows so it was like you know it's like you always have to take this and it was like wonderful working with cora because she's like yeah let's do that let's not put like you know, um, Wuxu in, in like, you know, a Vietnam war fight, you know what I mean? So it's like working with a director that has a vision that will work with you, that will explain what the emotional beats are passionately before, you know, the scene and understand that there is a fight to, you know, there's a story to be told in the fight. It's just awesome to work with and just being given the time and energy. And then also the actors stepped it up. I mean, the actors didn't know how to film fight and they really stepped it up. They were willing to listen. They were, you know, willing to learn how to be safe. They didn't want to hit each other, um, which I've had directors um, secretly talk to the actors. And um, I've had to shut down sets because I've had actors. Yeah, I've had a director wow. secretly talk to the actors to try and get the actors to hit each other behind my back. And I've had to shut them down because I caught that director talking to an actor trying to, you know, so it's like, you know, I mean, when you go from working like with that, <laughs> and then you go to court, it's like amazing. <laughs> So. It's so basic. Just be a good yeah, don't be a psychopath. One on one. When you're working with stunts, don't be a psychopathic director, please. So again, again, kudos, kudos to you, Cora, for not just seeing that. I, I, again, I didn't. I never saw the screenplay, but it could, that could easily have been a uh, fight scene. That's what know, it was. One. The script. Yeah, the script that's is it. Like one, uh, that, yeah. Okay, there you go. But so again, kudos to you to getting into the research and the detail where Melissa, you must have been going nuts during like the 90s TV shows where why is the caveman doing a spinning hook kick? Where did they <laughs> learn that? So, you know, somewhere in the storyline, just all of a sudden they're or, you know, superhero movies like, yeah. oh, you're I'm recruiting you. Yeah, why and that's it. Yeah, no, it does. It does. And, and, and the other thing is like when, you know, people aren't 
holding like swords right. You know, it's just I don't know. It's just like you know, that's, that that drives me crazy. Um, oh, that, that just drives me crazy. But anyway, just like you know, this was a period piece. I just wanted to keep it authentic to the period. And I mean, you know, fantasy films we can do whatever we want, right? But it's, this was an authentic piece, and we want to make it real. And that's and the other important thing working with Core is she understood that the actors had to act during the beats and we couldn't, and she didn't, she wanted me to train the actors. She didn't want to just throw a stunt court, you know, stunt people with no expression. She wanted expressions and the beats of the acting, which is really important, which a lot of people don't end up putting in the fights and that, and allowing those acting beats is so important because that's, that's what gets you hooked into the scene is the acting beats. You know what I mean? Just those little things where he's like, you know, he's shocked. He's grabbing, going for the gun. It's like allowing for those moments, you know? Uh, you're giving me goosebump P- Peter Tingles. That's exactly uh, on point because I've just seen so many, and I'm not going to call out names, but there are festivals that we've been to, Cora, where there are a lot of uh, choreographed um, fight scenes where, um, and they're, they're by martial artists, Melissa. So they want to show like the technique and the swivel and the, and the move and they're these giant wide shots and yeah. um no don't <laughs> you know a, a couple of cuts right yeah and it's like that, there's that no and like yeah it's like if somebody hits somebody in the shoulder i don't know it's just like you know if you can hit somebody in the face and take them out i don't know just like i don't know i see a lot of those where people are hitting each other in the shoulder and you're like okay what is you know this is a street brawl so why why wouldn't you just hit them in the face and i don't know it's just yeah there's a lot of that stuff that that <laughs> happens i'm like why are i, I don't understand <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. I was just going to say, you hit the, the tones and notes where just that little yeah. glimpse, the gun's over there, the knife's over there. Uh, I'm going to go for this target. I missed, but you're bringing, again, now that's absolute filmmaking. You're, you're bringing your viewer um, along for the ride. They yeah. are that protagonist or even antagonist. Um, yeah. they, they know what's going on <laughs> in their head without them having to say it. So that's, that's, that's what action's all about. Stay tuned for part two, where we present the rest of this panel. If you have additional questions not covered in our panels, feel free to reach out on our social media. Names on the Wall is on Facebook under Names on the Wall. And you can always email us here at... Okay, Spacey, that's your cue. (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Coralinda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail.com. This is Spacey speaking. What's your stage name out there? What is it? Corlinda? Cor Shipton? Uh, right. Schleppy? What is what is? Okay. And we'll see you next time. If you caught our last two episodes, then you know that names on the wall. (laughs) I can do this. If you caught our last two episodes, if you caught our last two episodes, then you know that. Wow. If you. Oh, no, you're about to walk in. You're going to ruin it all. Ah.